Welcome to S2 Underground, a freelance intelligence agency fighting terrorism, fake news, and political tyranny around the world. I'm the trouble star, punkin' instigator. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Underground. As we move forward into the strange times in which we live, a lot of people are caught in unfortunate situations. People who cannot really escape the institution that they are a part of are looking for ways to defeat the system within in a non-violent and legal manner. Let's face it, when we ask the question, is there a point in which people will resist what's happening? We already know the answer in most cases, which is a resounding no. Despite what people may say online or during a routine protest, most people are not willing to do very much more than that. Or at the very least, people don't know of any way that they can resist what's going on in a non-violent manner, or in ways that aren't feasible or are ineffective. Mass surveillance, government tyranny and overreach, censorship, and the complete abandonment of our constitutional rights has resulted in a lot of people either not wanting to take action or not being able to take action. And the action that they do take is either completely ineffective, the wrong action to take, or it's deemed domestic terrorism. So today, we're going to talk about a few non-violent tactics that you can use to make a difference when you're in a sticky situation and you have no other way to resist. Number one is the talker. Talk unnecessarily in the workplace. If you're in charge of people, you can make a lot of speeches that are meaningless, consume valuable resources, and are generally a waste of time. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Nobody likes a long-winded boss or coworker, so making subordinates sit through boring lectures not only consumes resources, but reduces their effectiveness, increasing fatigue and irritability. This is especially effective if you are in charge of leading some sort of training. Make the training long and boring and insist that you get through the entire thing and not let people leave early. This is infinitely more effective if the training is mandatory or regarding a social issue that would cast the person in a negative light if they were to leave. In today's world of cancel culture, a lot of people are afraid of being labeled a bigot or racist. So leverage this into pressuring people to participate in a useless training session. A training session in which the main goal is to waste time and prevent people from doing something else. Time thief. Time thief. Fire him. Dwight, you've really never stolen any company time. Never. Number two is the tree hugger scam. Always pump the brakes on projects when you can under the guise of wanting to study the matter further. Conducting environmental impact studies are great for this as they are a facet of most jobs. Environmental impact studies also take a very long time to do, are very wide ranging and very easy to influence. Also, the slightest environmental impact can be blown way out of proportion, forcing the project managers to expend copious amounts of resources to mitigate the impact to the environment. Seeing as there are pretty much zero projects that actually are neutral to the environment, environmental impact studies are valuable tools that you can implement if you want to slow down a project to a standstill for months. I'm, I'm the Lorax, guardian of the forest. I speak for the trees. Number three is the safety first scam. Always be a stickler for OSHA, anonymously reporting all OSHA violations when you can. 
Don't report all violations at once, only report one or two at a time. This way, there will be a pattern of workplace violations for your employer. From your agency or entity's point of view, nothing brings heartburn more than an OSHA inspector. So by repeatedly calling in OSHA violations, you can force an entity to again expend valuable time and resources fixing things to avoid another OSHA incident. This also brings great frustration for management, reducing effectiveness even further. There is a basket of oil-soaked rags above a wood-burning stove. Good thing I've got a fire extinguisher, which I can assure you is totally up to your precious code. Um, this says it should be recharged June of 1996. Number four is Captain Obvious. If your work relies upon you conducting analysis, you can frequently restate the obvious. Stating the obvious, bringing up irrelevant or past issues, and making wild analytical leaps will confuse and confound others working on the project with you. Again, this decreases efficiency and could even have a red herring effect where coworkers are forced to constantly re-examine the project because you keep stating the obvious. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Number five is the cautious researcher. Similar to the tree hugger scam, this method relies on caution as the primary factor for slowing down work. By constantly urging the cautious route, and by frequently urging others to slow down and take their time out of an abundance of caution, you can significantly slow down a project to a near standstill. You can urge coworkers to be reasonable and mature, pressing them to avoid doing things too quickly, which might result in them having to redo the project later. This is brilliant because everyone knows that it's better to take your time and do the project right the first time. So take this sentiment and pump it up to 11, urging so much caution and preparation that nothing ever gets done. These go to 11. Number six is the jurisdiction entanglement. This method relies on the principle of constantly questioning whether or not your agency has the jurisdiction to do what you're doing. Constantly asking, hey, can we even do that? I thought that was X department's field, can significantly tie up resources, especially in a large organization. You can also frequently mention what a higher echelon would think. People always get nervous when trying to justify their projects and actions to a higher command structure. So by constantly assuring a person that the higher-ups will never go for this, you can take advantage of an existing psychological construct and exploit it to the point that, again, nothing ever gets done. Sir, I was just looking over the... Oh, dear God! Still got it. Number seven is a rule follower. Always be a stickler for procedure. As we all know, most companies, agencies, political groups, legislatures, and other entities have a nearly endless list of rules and regulations. In fact, most entities have so many rules that if a person were to try to follow all of them at once, nothing would get done, which works perfectly. Constantly going by the book to the point of insanity will not only slow down a project to a standstill, but also severely impact the morale of your coworkers. Number eight is the French disconnection. Communications are always a huge reason for the failure of a project. So by frequently missing communications, misunderstanding communications, and using communications equipment poorly are great ways to increase inefficiency and decrease progress. We all know that coworker who claims that they didn't get that email. 
And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no. So take this concept and amplify it. A classic tactic is to unplug your computer monitor cable. This will force the IT department to come down to your desk and check things out. Once they get there, they'll see that it was a simple fix, but by then they've already expended effort to come down to your desk. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Also, monitors becoming unplugged is quite a common and innocent thing, so it's something that won't result in you getting in trouble, even if you do it once every couple of weeks. If you are expecting an important conference call, you can unplug a phone, or bungle the connection, or make the innocent mistakes that people frequently make. Mistakes that make a seamlessly interconnected agency a bit less connected. I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want, but I have a very particular lack of skills. I will never be able to find you. Number nine is the lost in translation. This is a very old trick in the book. Pretending to not understand the workplace language is highly effective at both consuming resources and also reducing others' expectations of you. Someone who doesn't have a great grasp of the English language will not be expected to write a stellar report or conduct a perfect presentation or briefing. At first, people will try to help you communicate, which will result in you wasting both your and their time and resources. However, over time, people will just come to not expect high-level content from you due to the language barrier. And in today's workplace, it's something that is really hard to handle in a diplomatic way since employers and workers alike are afraid of being cancel-cultured, sued, or accused of discrimination. All of a sudden, you speak in English now, huh? A little. A little my ass, you lied to me. I didn't say I didn't. You assume I didn't. Number 10 is the perfectionist. Always insist that every single detail of every single project be absolutely perfect. As we all know, humans aren't perfect, so striving for total and complete perfection is impossible. As a result, a perfectionist in the workplace is mostly viewed as annoying by coworkers and as a model employee by management. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. In other words, not really a threat that is intentionally holding up production so it's easy to get away with. If you are in a supervisory role, reject completed projects a few times, even if there's nothing really wrong. Magnify the tiniest of imperfections and make it a big deal, halting a project entirely until it gets fixed. Focus on subjective things like the color of an item and how it isn't quite perfect, forcing an entity to expend even more resources to fix their supposed mistake. Likewise, if your project is highly technical, you can approve of tasks and projects that appear to be good to go, but really have a hidden flaw that will cause trouble down the line. For instance, you can focus on the grammar of a research paper, forcing it to be revised to be absolutely perfect, but the actual content of the research paper is incorrect. <laughs> what a waste of time. Number 11, the Rainisha X. This scam is a direct callback to an episode of a TV show called Reno 911. In this episode, Deputy Rainisha Williams claims to convert and join the Nation of Islam. I guess that's about it. Unless uh, anybody else has anything they want to add. This is played up for comedic effect on the show, with Deputy Williams decrying the actions of the other deputies. But throughout the episode, we see her slip up, such as pretending to pray in her cubicle, but really taking a nap. At the end of the episode, we find out that this was all just a ruse so that she could request vacation time for Ramadan, which in actuality was a luxury cruise. This is a perfect example of using both religion and race to exploit the system that you are stuck in. 
By claiming religious needs and requirements, or by claiming that racial tensions would result in you not being able to complete a task, you can severely weaken an entity from within. And as we all know, in today's workplace environment, religion and race are two topics that are huge no-nos for conversation and debate. If you claim that you need a certain day off for religious needs, or have a various dietary restriction due to your supposed religion, you can consume a lot of time and resources as your agency is forced to accommodate you. Be advised though, this tactic is quite a bit more overt and high profile. Once you go down this route, you're going to have to keep it up forever. Number 12 is Father Time. In today's modern workplace, ageism is a huge factor in a lot of places. So pretending to be older and more feeble than you actually are can slow down production a lot. If you wear glasses, claim that you can't do anything without them. If your work center is filled with younger people, there is nothing that frustrates them more than an older person who takes their time to get out their reading glasses for everything. So take advantage of this horrible discrimination and ageism that is just a fact of life in many workplaces now and make it work for you, wasting as much company time and resources as possible. Why are you so negative? I can sense your hostilities and right now I am not feeling very safe. Number 13, the high roller. Always insist on spending as much money as possible on useless things. Funding money pit projects that go absolutely nowhere or consuming a lot of resources for virtually no benefit. You can even look to funding adversarial actions that are the lesser of two evils. A lot of times people are completely averse to funding any opposition operation. But this method takes advantage of that. For instance, advocating for spending a lot of money to repave an unused road or beautify an area or to paint a slogan on a roadway to pacify some social movement. These things waste time, personnel, money, and resources that could be used elsewhere for other operations. What is this? What is this? Where's all the money? That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Number 14 is the Ritz scam. This method relies on the supply chain and ordering supplies and materials as if you were building the Ritz Hotel. If you are in charge of ordering something like cleaning supplies, always order the most expensive stuff or materials that are hard to find. If you can purchase a material that only has one use, do so. Ordering supplies and materials that could be used for more than one purpose is not exactly what we're going for. This is pretty easy to do, as most governmental procurement supply chains are filled with expensive stuff that is actually inferior. You can also order products that are far more inefficient. For instance, if someone requests you to order some more pencils, order the classic wooden number two pencils rather than the mechanical pencils that they probably mean. And since wooden pencils don't last nearly as long as mechanical pencils, this would require you to order more pencils much more often. You could also layer this with another method we've already discussed and misunderstand what the person's request was and order something like golf pencils, which are most likely not going to work for the person who requested pencils. When you eventually run out of supplies, claim that the cheaper stuff is inferior and will lead to having to redo the project at a later time, which again, no one wants to do. Whenever you need a certain number of resources to complete a project, double that number. Consume twice as much or even triple the number of resources that would normally be required to complete a task. Or you could do the opposite and take the stingy route, waiting until the very last minute to order new supplies so that there will be a period of time that you can't do anything, prolonging the task at hand until more materials can be ordered. That's food. You've been awake the whole time and you used up all of our food, didn't you? No. Didn't you? No. Look at this. 
Look at this. What are we supposed to do now? Fish. This look, look. It's gone. Uh, like doom. I've got backup supplies. I've got lots what? of backups. Oh, oh, what do you got here? Anchovy paste. I love yes, this yes. stuff. Creamed liver. It's, this is good. It's good for your gums. Gefelta fish. I'm not eating gefelta fish for the rest of this trip. Number 15 is the bathroom junkie. Anyone who has tried to ditch work before knows that claiming to need a bathroom break is pretty effective. When using the bathroom, make sure to consume as many resources as possible. Flushing toilets many times, leaving the water running when washing your hands, and choosing to use handfuls of paper towels over an air dryer. Anything to waste as many resources as possible. Take your time in the bathroom, never less than 5 minutes, preferably about 10 minutes, and do this many times throughout the day. Go to the bathroom whenever you don't really need to, especially if you're at a critical point in a project or during a very busy part of the day. Be advised though, this is a very common tactic, so your co-workers and employer will notice what you're doing. But if you are otherwise a seemingly stellar employee, it won't be an issue. Plus, it's a very awkward topic to confront someone about the time they spend in the bathroom, so co-workers and employers are going to be too embarrassed to ask you about it, especially if you don't overdo it. So those are 15 ways that you can sabotage an entity from within using non-violent and perfectly legal means. As one might expect, for legal reasons we must state that this is for information purposes only, and we do not actually recommend doing any of the things we just mentioned. But stay tuned for 15 more methods in the next video, and if you have some ideas of your own, drop them in the comments below. As we all know, it's not illegal to be really bad at your job, and being inefficient in a situation where minutes count could end up saving lives. So that's all I've got for this time, and stay tuned for the next episode. If you like our content, please subscribe and follow us on other platforms which are listed in the description box below. And if you'd like to contribute monetarily to the underground, check out our merch store where you can buy cool S2 Underground t-shirts and other stuff. And with that, we'll see you next time. And as always, fight in the shade.